Friends, uh, now we have a chance to continue in our worship. As I mentioned moments ago, we're going to hear our final uh, of the three-part sermon series on rest, uh, Sabbath, sabbatical, and today we get to hear about the year of Jubilee. We'll hear from Pastor Doug of First Presbyterian Church. Um, Doug has a little introduction for us, and so I'm going to show us that first, and then you'll hear our first scripture reading. One of my great joys back when I was a high school and college student, one of my great joys was playing mud football. We would wait till there had been a deluge for two or three days, and then we would go out to the muddiest field we could find, and then we would just play mud football for hours and end up just caked with mud. It was one of the great joys in life, and I have this incredible memory of when I was in high school and we planned a mud football game and it was just pouring and I arrived a little bit late and I ran out there all kind of suited up in my mud football gear and I went out and it was like magic. Every time I got the football, I scored a touchdown. I was shucking and jiving, I was juking, I was moving this way, moving this way, and people were just falling over, and I would, I would get a touchdown without being touched. And I had gotten three touchdowns right in a row, and then the other team gathered together and they said, Bunnell needs to take off his cleats. And I was like, I can still do this without my cleats on, and I took off my cleats, and then I did not get a touchdown for the rest of the game. It turns out I was just like everyone else. The other team was able to realize that there was a level of unfairness. When I had cleats on and nobody else did, I was able to play football much better than I really was. And they realized that for things to be fair, I had to take my cleats off. Um, I'm here today in my wife's preschool classroom because preschool is the place where most of us learn about fairness. Preschool is a place where fairness matters. Fairness is one of the most important things that happens to preschoolers. And we learn how important fairness is. And we will learn how much we want fairness when we feel like things are unfair. But we also learn the opposite corollary. And it's how much fairness costs when we already have something. When we have something that we want shared, it wants we want it to be fair and that person needs to share. But when we have it, And people say, for fairness sake, you have to share. We're like, oh, I'm not sure I like that. Our theme today is about Jubilee. And Jubilee has this image of fairness. I have so appreciated Seth and Greg and the sharing that they've done about Sabbath and about sabbatical. I hope that St. James and Cordata Presbyterian Church, I hope both of your churches realize what a blessing it is to have pastors who can preach with such incredible um, forthrightness and can preach with so can preach so effectively and as well I happen to know that the two of them are both great people so I just want to encourage both of those churches you are incredibly blessed 
Seth pointed out the Sabbath rhythm that God has created for us. This idea that we work for six days and the seventh day is a day of stopping and resting. Six days of work and a day of stopping. And Greg talked about sabbatical, that that six-in-one image goes for years. That you work for six years and then there's a seventh year when the land rests and the people do something different. There's this sabbatical year. I get to talk about the seventh sabbatical. So for those of you who are math people, we're talking about seven years and seven sets of seven years, which is 49. And the year after that seventh sabbatical is the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. And in the year of Jubilee, what happened will blow your mind. In the year of Jubilee, slaves are freed, debts are forgiven, and the land that was sold is now given back to the previous owners. We will find that Jubilee is about fairness, it's about justice, and it's about grace. But let's pray as we prepare to listen to God's word. Lord, we thank you for your creation. We thank you that we are part of your creation and that we have been created good. Lord, give us wisdom and insight on how we are to live the best lives that you call us to live and the rhythms that you call us to live within. In your name we pray, amen. Let's listen to God's word. All right, our first scripture reading comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. We'll read verses 8 through 17 and then verses 35 through 43. Reading from the New Revised Standard Version. You shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives 49 years. Then you shall have the trumpet sounded loud on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. You shall have the trumpet sounded throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the 50th year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. And it shall be jubilee for you. You shall return, every one of you, to your property, and every one of you to your family. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow, or reap at the aftergrowth, or harvest the unpruned vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat only what the field itself produces. In this year of Jubilee, you shall return every one of you to your property. When you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not cheat one another. When you buy from your neighbor, you shall pay only the number of years since the Jubilee. The seller shall charge you only for the remaining crop years. If the years are more, you shall increase the price. And if the years are fewer, you shall diminish the price. For it is a certain number of harvests that are being sold to you. You shall not cheat one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. If any of your kin fall into difficulty and become dependent on you, you shall support them. They shall live with you as though resident aliens. Do not take interest in advance or otherwise make profit from them, but fear your God. Let them live with you. You shall not lend them your money at interest taken in advance or provide them food at a profit. 
I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be your God. If any of you are dependent, if any who are dependent on you become so impoverished that they sell themselves to you, you shall not make them serve as slaves. They shall remain with you as hired or bound laborers. They shall serve with you until the year of the Jubilee. Then they and their children with them shall be free from your authority. They shall go back to their own family and return to their ancestral property. For they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves are sold. You shall not rule over them with harshness, but shall fear your God. The word of the Lord. And now let's hear again from Pastor Doug Bonneau. Okay, did verse 10 ring a note for you? I was cheating a little bit there. If verse 10 rung a note for you, it's because you know a little bit about American history. That is the verse in King James language. In King James, it says, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. That verse is the verse that you will find on the Liberty Bell. And the Liberty Bell was created in 1751 to celebrate the, catch this, 50th anniversary of William Penn's 1701 Charter of Privileges, which was Pennsylvania's original constitution. So on the 50th anniversary, they created a bell and they grabbed this text from Jubilee to celebrate 50 years. Did you hear in the text the movements that we talked about? Did you hear about the land being returned to the owners who owned it previously? Did you hear about debts forgiven and slaves freed? Those two go together because almost all slaves at that time were slaves because of debts. If you were in debt and you couldn't pay your debt, there were no credit cards, there were no loan sharks, you just were in debt. And when you were in debt, you became a slave. And so it was sort of an indentured servanthood. So when debts were canceled, slaves were freed. And so Jubilee is also called at times the year of release. Many of us know the danger of compounding debt. Albert Einstein is rumored to have said that compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It's said that he said, he who understands it earns it, and he who does not understand it pays it. With compounding interest, a debt that is payable can quickly become unpayable, and at that time, debt would then pass on from one person to the next generation. And it could pass on from generation to generation and possibly community to community, but not with Jubilee. With Jubilee, there was a new beginning. There was an end to that compounding debt. There was a fresh start, a landscape that was leveled out again. The consequences of the big mistakes that had been made maybe even 49 years ago, those consequences were removed and the damage was mitigated, jubilee baby. Now, the other area is a little bit more confusing. The land that had been sold for the last 50 years was then given back to the original owners. Listen, did you, did you hear the text? The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine, says the Lord. With me, you are but aliens and tenants. 
there is a key truth, and this is a key truth that we talk about a lot in the Presbyterian world. We call it stewardship. It is the affirmation that we do not own anything. In fact, we cannot own anything. The land was here before we were born. The land will be here after we are born. We are merely renting it for as long as we are alive. We don't actually own it. And God says the land is mine. You don't get to own it. You just are stewards for a certain period of time. There's another truth here. This was an agricultural society. So in an agricultural society, land was capital. Land was the way that people made a living. If you didn't have access to land, you struggled to make a living. And so there's a key corollary here. In a healthy society, the Jubilee is trying to set it up that everyone has access to capital. And if some people give away their access to capital, it's given back to them so that they again have access to capital. The, the Jubilee desire is also a kingdom reality. Everyone deserves access to capital, access to making a living and being able to feed your family. So this was good news. For those who were slaves, for those who were debtors, this was incredible news. And we have elements of Jubilee that have made their way into our society. Have you noticed that? We do not have any more debtor's prisons. We used to have debtor's prisons. There are no debtor's prisons. People mostly don't go to jail for debts that they owe. As well, we do not pass debt from generation to generation. We don't see generations being enslaved by their debt. And as well, we have this idea of bankruptcy. And bankruptcy is this incredible jubilee principle that if you have made a decision that is so poor, if you've made a decision that has gone so negative, there is an opportunity to have a new start, a fresh start, that you are not hampered by this bad, this bad deal that you made. This was good news. But as you can guess, there is actually no evidence that Jubilee was ever practiced. We don't find anywhere in the Bible that people practice Jubilee. And I bet you are figuring out right now why it was never practiced. Because there's another element of Jubilee. What is good news for debtors is not great news for creditors. And we have found in almost every society that's ever existed that creditors have a lot more power in society and debtors have a lot less because the creditors were the ones who were giving up their slaves. The creditors were the ones who were giving up the debts that were owed to them. The creditors were the ones that had to give away the land that they had already got. And they did not like to do that. So as much as it is good news for cele celebration, for those who are debtors. It is hard news for those who are creditors. There's a price that is paid for our Jubilee. We are living in a society that has elements of Jubilee in it, but it is a society that is distinctly un-Jubilee. We have many elements that are absolutely non-Jubilee. We live in a society where capital is no longer just land. Money is capital. Information is capital. And access to capital in our culture is not equal. We live in a season right now with one of the greatest inequalities. The poor are poorer than they've been in 100 years. The rich are richer than they've been in 100 years. In the last 20 years, the gap between rich and poor has actually doubled. We have the worst record of all G7s as a country. We have the worst record of all the G7 countries in terms of income inequality. Right now, Forbes magazine just said two years ago, and I'm sure it's different now, but two years ago, three men in America 
owned more than the bottom 50% of Americans. That means that these three men owned more than 160 million Americans. Now, that's a little bit of a strange statistic because the bottom 20% are underwater. But it's a powerful statistic that we live in a world where the rich are incredibly rich and the poor have not gotten any wealthier. That is a distinctly unjubilee society. Okay, jubilee came a thousand and thousands and thousands of years ago. It was never practiced. What does that have to do with us? We are not supposed to, we don't have to follow Jubilee. We don't have to follow the law. Well, I'm glad that you asked because something about Jubilee makes its way into the New Testament. It happens in Luke chapter four, verses 16 through 21. Let us listen to God's word. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then this is one of the most dramatic moments in all biblical history. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Stunning, dramatic moment. That final line in Isaiah, the year of the Lord's favor. That is another way of saying Jubilee. When Jesus described what he was about, he reached out and grabbed the concept of Jubilee, the year of release, the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee is who Jesus was. Jubilee is what Jesus was about. Jubilee is basically Jesus. Jesus came and he was the Jubilee. It had not been practiced. But in Jesus, the Jubilee was finally practiced. Think about it. In Jesus, all debts are forgiven. In Jesus, all captives are freed. In Jesus, we find this incredible level ground at the foot of the cross. We experience the grace of God through Jesus as Jubilee. We are fully forgiven, completely forgiven. We are fully freed. And the scripture tells us when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And we have been blessed, Ephesians tells us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It does not matter what your bank account is. It does not matter how you pay your bills. We are rich. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There is no scarcity in the kingdom. We need to embrace that. We need to embrace that in Jesus, we become Jubilee people, people that are forgiven, people that are freed, people that have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Jesus, we have received grace upon grace. And one of our jobs every day is to receive that grace, to embrace that grace, to lean into that grace, to learn what it means to live out that grace. But there is a second part of Jubilee, and that is that Jesus ushers in the kingdom. The kingdom is what he preached about. 
The kingdom is what he spoke about. When he announced the gospel, he said the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom is Jubilee. As Jesus is the Jubilee for all of us, he is announcing a kingdom of Jubilee. Think about all the things that we know about the kingdom. The rich are poor and the poor are rich. The first are last and the last are first. You cannot serve God and money. If someone sues you for your shirt, you give them your cloak. If someone asks you to walk a mile, you walk two miles. There's a sense of jubilee reality. And so just as we have received jubilee, we are people of jubilee. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. We are to proclaim freedom as people who have been freed. And we are to do justice, to do justice in the world. And part of that justice is this economic justice, to make sure that everyone has access to capital, to make sure that everyone has access to be able to make a living and to use their gifts and to do what they were called to do. All are equal and all should have equal access to capital. That is an exciting job. That's an exciting task. We are called to be people of Jubilee, to participate with our brothers and sisters in their own liberation, to forgive them and to live out the forgiveness we have received. received. Habitat for Humanity is a great example. Habitat for Humanity, as you know, makes people buy houses, but they buy them without interest and they buy them just paying for the materials and they buy a simple, decent house. But Habitat says that they are not giving a handout they are giving a hand up. And what they say they're doing is that they are giving access to home ownership to people who really would have in our situation no access to home ownership. And Habitat is opening that reality to home ownership. Habitat says that they are not just about building houses, they are building estates. That that house is passed on to the next generation and that's the beginning of access to capital. This may sound like it's getting political, and it is. The gospel is always political. Political just means a way that a group of people make decisions. And we are people who are covered by the grace of Jesus. We are people who, are, who have put our faith in Jesus. And the fact that we have put our faith in Jesus means that all of our decision-making is impacted by Jesus. All of our decision-making is impacted about how we love God and how we love others. But this is not, and catch this, while this is political, it is not partisan. We are working toward the same end for this incredible jubilee kingdom where people have access to capital. We may have different ways that we work it out. We may have different ways that we imagine it will get there. We have different ways that we throw our energies into how a system can be made more just. But we are all talking about the same end, the same vision, the same kingdom of God reality. But we're gonna be working toward it possibly in different ways. If you're wrestling with this, I encourage you to take this to Jesus. The truth is that Jesus talked about money a lot and it gets uncomfortable. When we read the words of Jesus, they are uncomfortable because we live in a culture where money is the biggest idol. Money is one of the most challenging and troublesome idols in our culture, and I believe it was 2,000 years ago as well. And because of that, Jesus speaks often about money and the dangers of the idolatry of money. And so as we hear the message of Jesus, it presses against all of us, and we need to hear it and to stand under the word of God that we might live lives marked by his joy and his jubilee.
So I wonder, how do you experience Jesus as Jubilee? I wonder, where have you seen Jubilee in action? I wonder this week, how can you live out Jubilee, joyfully forgiving, joyfully participating in liberation, and joyfully doing justice? What would it mean for you to practice Jubilee this week? Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you that you are the Jubilee, that we have been forgiven and we are called to forgive, that we have been freed and we are called to proclaim freedom. We thank you, Lord, that we have been called to be ministers of reconciliation and people who do justice. Give us wisdom that we might do it with joy and that we might do it with passion. To you be the glory, Lord, today and forever. Amen.